from the mind of the sapient simian. This is Nobody's Prodigy. Free-range ideas from beyond the box. This is the Sapient Simeon, and welcome to episode 52 of Nobody's Prodigy, an episode I'm going to call A Cup of Tea. It's hard to say what precisely helps a body cope when presented with life's abnormalities. Our world is full of chaos, speed, hurrying, and the invisible push of the crowd to go faster and to be on your way now. It can be difficult to build a sense of community, difficult to approach new people in an amiable but non-binding way. Sometimes you need to say or not say something to someone, and you need a premise with established bounds. Sometimes you need a moment to take a quick few minutes and just cool down, to bring a friend and enjoy having a face-to-face for a change, a chance to breathe free. In response to this common experience, I'm surprised to find great power and cleverness within the proper wielding of a teapot. Tea, in the English tradition, not just serving, but also serving themselves. Part of the evidence that I think proves this concept, to some extent, is the number of times that tea is referenced in societies in which tea itself is not necessarily continued to be consumed. You see this in having a tea time or taking a tea break, coming over for tea as a stand-in for what it really was, which is just a short time to get together or not get together without actually involving the tea itself. Now, one thing that's interesting about tea and English tea is that when you get a cup of tea or when you go to a tea time, the tea has to be made there and then. At least in English terms. Of course, I live in the South, and I know plenty of people that will make tea and have it sitting around. But it's such a different cultural aspect that I sort of separate English tea and, shall we say, the Southern American tea. As far as tea ceremonies in Asia go, I almost think of that as being a level of what I'm referring to in the English teas. In that way, I think that the English tea time sort of takes the best of both worlds. One thing that I do think is a positive in the way that English tea is is set forward is the fact that the tea itself has to be made there and then. When someone comes over for tea, the first thing that you do is you put the kettle on the boil. You don't have boiling water just sitting around regular and waiting. In addition, it gives you a chance to go in and choose a tea for yourself, to choose whichever tea your guest would like of an assortment of different teas. There are all sorts of different blends and different flavors and things that are possible. So as someone who is preparing the tea, you begin the situation. So your first moves are simply to welcome someone in, set them down, and then retire for as long as you would like to wait for the boiling itself to be done. Of course, teapots are designed to whistle when they're done, at least if they're on the stove in a traditional sense. So even if you leave the room, you are called back when it's ready in a very mechanical and easy-to-follow way. What I like about this is that it lets the event itself sort of unfold as it does. Whenever the kettle suddenly starts to boil, then as a surprise to everyone, you suddenly move on to the next step in the process. And that time is determined without necessarily having the host or hostess put in a number and say, I want five minutes from now, I want this to happen. 
it's almost a mystical ritual in the sense that everyone who participates doesn't really know the exact times for things, and yet everything does have an exact time. As I said, once the kettle whistles, then it's time to start making your individual cups of tea. When you're making your individual cups of tea, everyone can choose their own particular tea of a multiple of different kinds. They all have to be steeped in different ways sometimes or at different lengths of time. So then everyone has something to do in the sense that they now can put their tea in their glass. It keeps their hands busy, so it's something to do with your hands. At the moment when visiting someone would be most awkward and you would need something to do to keep you busy. At which point then you move on to actually completing the process, which is to say adding your cream or your sugar. And then you've got the time of blowing the heat off of the tea to cool it down, which there again gives your mouth and your hands something to do so that you can carry on a conversation in a way that it's very easy to move in and out of active participation. If you want to sit and contemplate something, you can always use your time blowing the steam off of your tea. Likewise, if you are talking to someone, it's fine for your tea to just steep in the water as it is, and you can let it cool off before you add your cream or sugar or whatever you like at that point. And I think because of these limits, this framework, tea time became much more popular as a social mechanism than necessarily a meeting based around the consumption of food. Tea time is not necessarily based around the consumption of food, although it is itself a time when food is present. The interesting thing about tea time, though, is that tea time is also at least somewhat framed around the etiquette that would require someone to not eat too much and to partake of things little by little. So in general, tea time is more dainty, less about going for seconds or thirds and getting a take-home bag. It's more about grabbing one or two of the small biscuits sandwiches or something that are available and the hostess knows this so they don't put out too much but they do have extras and the guest knows this so they don't expect a full meal it's only a tea time with that in mind i also think it's interesting that tea time generally speaking is between 3 and 4 p.m so it's taken at that moment of the day that can be the most hectic but is also the moment in which it's good to stop and take a break because you have done the things that you had to do in the morning, you've gotten an idea of what you want to do in the noontime period, and now you've got this 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock window to stop from 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and have a cup of tea. And then you go back into your work, not only rested, but also having assimilated all of the knowledge and understanding that you wanted to put together from the middle of the day when you actually started to understand the day's issues. And then you go into the next two hours actually able to accomplish things because you have taken a second between the two. Now, of course, it is possible and it has happened, especially in your own home, when inviting someone for a visit for a cup of tea to take anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes. But even that is a good length of time to actually entertain someone in your home. And tea time itself has been created in a way that allows lots of reasonable pauses and distractions. It's interesting that generally tea is held in the parlor, and the parlor is itself made for essentially the types of visitor interactions that would happen in a home to drink some tea. So they sort of justify each other. It's good, too, because each person involved must create their own cup of tea. When they enter the building and take a seat, they are invited for tea time, 
And yet, they're simply provided with the tools in which to make themselves a cup of tea and not presented with a completed cup at the end. So in a way, it demands a certain amount of active participation, even if the person themselves have no interest in participating in anything else. And this enforced participation has pretty clearly defined steps. This causes the person to be forced to engage to some extent, even if they're reluctant to do so, which, for the sake of building community and building relationships between people, gives more of an interesting insight into who they are than something that they could simply sit there and ignore entirely. And it's also a time in which people can share information and share opinions, but more importantly, they also get the chance to present to their neighbors an image of their household and their family in a very controlled and limited way, in the sense that you don't invite somebody over and just let them run amok through the house with the kids going through everything and you chasing them around. A tea time is known to be a very sort of contained and formal thing in the sense that you don't necessarily wander around or break whatever rules that particular person may have when it comes to their tea times. And when you have a tea time, it's a bit of a time to show off. It's a time to bust out your finest china and to make lots of little pretty cakes that probably took a long time. And it's a healthy kind of competition for a group of friends to have because they're essentially vying for the rights to be the most hospitable person among their group of friends. It's funny, though, among tea society, the ostentatious use of materials doesn't necessarily carry more weight socially than being able to offer the tea in a way that's considered to be correct according to tradition. And in this way, when you have people that are coming to a tea time, any particular individual can actually gain more from the interaction by being in line with etiquette than someone who comes in flailing high-status materials expecting to be acclaimed for them. And it's interesting when you look at it in terms of building this community, the network of people that would travel around, I suppose I should say that in the traditional English tea world, it was common to invite people in your neighborhood to your house for a cup of tea. They would arrive sometime between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock. They'd stick around for anywhere between 15 minutes to 45 minutes, in which they come in to your living room or your parlor, have a seat in your best, cleanest chairs, ideally, have a little tiny table set around or maybe one small table in the middle, the hostess or host comes out and invites everyone in, tells them where to sit, and goes and puts the kettle on the stove. Now, depending on how long of a pause that person wants, they could have started the kettle a little early. They could start the kettle a little later. They can even put things in the kettle to make things faster or slower as far as putting in warmer or colder water to begin with. However, once the host is out of the room, the guests get a chance to look around at everything and make some decisions about what kind of people are these. And when the host comes back, they have an easy excuse for having been gone, which can be used for any number of things that may need to be addressed at that time. When they come back with the water, they will also come back with the teas in the bags. Whether or not they ask the people for the teas beforehand or ask for them when they bring in the water is negotiable. It can go either way. 
However, each person may have their own tea bag, or some people may make a unilateral decision and simply add the boiling water to a teapot that they have already decided and the quantity and flavor that they've already decided. Even then, however, there's a requirement that those tea leaves sit in that water for a certain amount of time. It's called steeping. So you have to let your tea steep for a while in the water to release all of the flavor into the water. Now, in the event that each person gets their own tea bag, they do that themselves. They actually pour in the water, watch the tea bag, watch the water, and can pull it up and bounce it around and sort of swirl it around um, by the little paper tag while they're waiting on it to finish steeping. Once it is finished steeping, they pull the bag out and they need to place that wet bag somewhere. And that's where a lot of times a saucer will come in or something along those lines. And then before they drink it, they're given access to whatever they need to add to that particular tea. Usually it's a, a milk or a cream and sugar cubes. I actually like sugar cubes in general. I find that they're easier to handle. They're easier to maneuver. So there again, the idea of using cubes instead of just loose sugar adds a certain amount to the necessity. And when you know these things are going to be needed ahead of time, you know sort of what materials are going to be needed ahead of time. And that's where the idea of having a tea set comes into it, where everything that you need as far as your milk and your sugar and your tea and all of that, all of your cups and things all match because you, you know you're going to use them all at the same time. Once there's an established premise that people within a community all have tea at some point, preferably all at tea time, it becomes a possibility to then ask people over to have tea as a social meeting to connect with people that they may not otherwise directly have connected with, but to also do so in an open framework that doesn't have any baggage attached. The tea network, as you could almost think of it, where each person visits another person's house for a tea time randomly throughout a whole city, would create a certain social network within an area. And what's fascinating about this is that it allows itself to be a secular network in times that were otherwise not necessarily secular in any way. It was a way to invite someone new into your space that you did not predetermine to be acceptable as much as you would otherwise, and to do so in a way that's perfectly acceptable among the groups of people that would otherwise get upset if you didn't behave in ways that 100% agree with what they think. I think a lot of these traditions have been somewhat hijacked by situations where there is an implication that a certain message or motivation has to be presented over the tea time itself. It's interesting to look at the difference between teas and coffee, also balanced against the difference of having a beer. I think that each of these particular types of beverages carry all sorts of individual weight in a societal way among the three. Among the three, tea seems to fall into a category of respectability. The English claim that tea time and tea is what creates civilization out of the wilderness. Because of this, I think they were the most adamant to maintain the tea ceremony and the tea creation as they spread throughout the world in a quasi-religious way that I don't know that anyone else has necessarily delved into. However, I look at it in a very simple way and say that 
tea ceremony itself has an interesting impact in the community in all of the ways I've stated, in the ways that it allows for a secular community to grow and to maintain itself through any kind of religious differences, because the connections are all made under a different form of contract. You also have the fact that the tea itself is full of different ways for people to communicate with each other in verbal and nonverbal ways by the way they behave at doing each of the different things. Because there's a lot of communication that could be given through that process. Likewise, the process itself can be as short or as long as possible. So in a sense, it's a physical way of checking with someone, finding out a little bit about them, and then having a natural end that they can then leave. Of course, it also involves a certain amount of outlay in the form of getting tea and sugar and cream or whatever. But even these things have interesting nuances in the sense that there are medicinal teas. There are also teas that are very dark and very strong. There are also teas that are very light and delicate. So in hosting a tea time, you're actually making a lot of decisions about what that could be. What you decide to present as the options for different kinds of food or what kind of teas you decide to present. And at some point during that tea time, you may end up answering questions about the tea, or answering where you got it from, or what it is particularly that's in the tea. And those are all conversations that are easy to begin, that don't require a lot of emotional outlay, that help to move conversations along in a tea time, and then you're good to go. A tea time doesn't turn into a 3 a.m. in the morning conversation that you guys had just started when you got here. A tea time is just the very simplest, lightest, and easily, and then having them leave. Of course, at the same time, it is recuperative. It is designed to be something that's done to make you feel better, to give you a second to break, to have a rest. And it remains a simple, small act to take for 15 minutes a day for yourself, to insist upon a moment pause, and wait for the tea to steep. And I suppose that's what I'm getting at in this particular episode. It's been a little while since I did one. I don't know if you guys noticed. It's been a hectic few weeks here, but I'm going to do my best to pump out some more of these ASAP, because I know you guys are probably really wondering and uh, want to hear more. Um, As I did at the beginning of last year when I launched the podcast, I will try to put up more than one a week, perhaps, as a way of paying you guys back for sticking around. As it goes right now, I'm pretty much having to just do what I can when I get the chance to. There's a lot of other stuff going on right now, so I don't really know for sure when and how these things are going to be coming out. But I'm going to do my best to keep up with you guys, and uh, I appreciate all of you that take the time with me. With that being said, I'm going to uh, let you guys go. And I will talk to you again soon. All right. Bye. If you're enjoying the show and would like to help me feed myself, keep the lights on, and continue making episodes, direct PayPal donations and other inquiries can be sent to thesapientsimeon at gmail.com. That's thesapientsimeon at gmail.com. I do have a Patreon page, also under the Sapient Simeon, where you can get exclusive access to view my other work from years past, paintings, designs, projects, and experiments seen nowhere else. With your help, I can maintain the show as a commercial-free broadcast we all can enjoy. 
But a key part in that process is reaching out to encourage me and show your appreciation. In the meantime, I would like to thank you for listening and doing what you can to help share my work with others. Until next time, stay curious.